Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. James 1.22 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Uh, recently, I've, I've been um, just enjoying hearing a guy on Christian and secular radio with some very sound advice on families. I know we've just finished the series on, on, on home improvement, but he's respected in many circles as the family expert, the family guy. His name is John Cohen, and he finishes each session, which is always jam-packed with really helpful tips on uh, you know how to do life. He says, I'm John Cohen, still figuring out the best way to do life. And I think how refreshing, how refreshing to hear someone say that they haven't arrived yet, but they're on a faith journey, and it's a faith journey that works and is making a difference. Well, I believe the same could be said of the book of James. Uh, we're just starting a new series on James. Uh, so just a little bit of uh, introduction and background. James writes about faith that works. I know you've got faith works on your newsletters. A lot happens between Thursday and Sunday. I changed it a bit, okay? <laughs> Over the... Uh, centuries, uh, some have even questioned that uh, the, the book of James doesn't really sit comfortably alongside some of the other letters to the churches, because James really highlights faith-based work. And James is what we Kiwis would call a good old down-to-earth bloke, sharing good old common sense, grassroots advice honed and shaped by a life of hard work as a tradie. And we know this because, uh, well, firstly, it's commonly believed that he is the author. Uh, sorry, that the James that's the author is, in fact, Jesus' own brother James, not James the son of Zebedee, the disciple. Because by cross-referencing historical events, uh, James the disciple uh, would be ruled out as the author since he'd already gone to glory at the time of its writing. So we believe that James, the brother of Jesus, is the author of, of the book of James. So growing up in the same house, a home as Jesus, James would have you know, worked alongside his brother Jesus and his other brothers in the family building or carpentry business. And despite this really close contact, James did not come to faith in Christ until after the resurrection of his own brother. Isn't that amazing? And I think that should encourage us to never give up hope for our own families, given the fact that even Jesus had unsaved family members who required their own revelation in order to trust in him in God's good timing. It's about God's timing, isn't it? And we need to pray for our family and then leave the results to God. Secondly, it reminds us that sometimes it's our own family or our own hometown that fails to honor God's calling on our life. Jesus even said that. And at the time of writing this book, James 
was ministering to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Hence, his target audience were Jews at home and those who'd been dispersed abroad. So that's just a little bit of background. The book of James may well be extremely practical, yet it contains profound truths. It teaches ethics, morality, and social justice, while exposing hypocrisy and selfish ambition. It's a, it's a great book. And I just am excited about this series. I think, um, in essence, it teaches what true religion is and what it is not, because its central theme is that real faith works. So that's what I've called this message uh, as we start our series in James. Faith that works. And I hope our takeaway today, uh, out of today's message, is that we don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. Did you catch that? We don't work to get our salvation. Our salvation is a free gift from our beautiful Savior who it cost him everything. It's not free, but it's, it's a gift. We don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. So let's turn to James 1, and Jenny's going to read the entire chapter. We're just going to have a really good, solid chunk of Scripture today. So turn to James 1, and let's really read. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, understanding in all his ways. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position, and let the rich man glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, 
with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the word. May God bless his word. Good stuff. Good stuff, eh? I really just want to come back to the example of the mirror in verse 23 and 24. Let's just, just quickly read that again. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at himself in the mirror. <laughs> For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. You know, uh, I love that example, and it speaks to me about focus, focus. You know, what is your focus? What's my focus today? If we're fixated on our own image and our own life, we'll just simply live out of the strength of our own abilities. Uh, a few years ago, I hope Anna doesn't mind me telling this story, but we were just about to um, to start the service, and her late husband Brian um, came up to me and said, "We haven't actually prayed. Are you going to do this in your own strength, or are we going to pray?" <laughs> he was a funny man. <laughs> but if we look intently at the perfect law, verse twenty-five, we'll begin to reflect Jesus to others. We either reflect our own abilities, or we reflect Jesus. What is the key? Looking into the perfect law, verse 25. So in a nutshell, James is saying you'll either trust in your own self, your own abilities, or you'll trust in God's Holy Spirit working through you, depending on your focus. Where's your focus? Where's my focus today? So who do others see when they look at you and look at me? James had learnt that by simply hearing a bunch of good stuff, we don't change. We just walk away from that mirror, suddenly we forget ourselves, our, our image, and we just you know, are no different. But when we look into the Word, 
we come away always, always different. So let's, let's just look at a list of things that happen when our focus is on ourselves. You know, we've got a generation who takes selfies, um, and not just the younger generation either. <laughs> and there's even a stick to put your phone on, a selfie stick. Uh, we're pretty obsessed with it, eh? Being in the shot, you know, this is me. Send it, send it to all our friends. Well, if we keep doing that in our life without God's word, number one, we will struggle with doubt, verse 6. This is why we read the whole chapter. There's just so many things about our focus in here. We'll struggle with doubt. We'll be troubled with, uh, with our um, belief. You know, I think it's just awesome that Jesus came back to the upper room after he was resurrected twice, the second time, just for one guy who wasn't there the first time. Isn't that awesome? He just walked through that wall and uh, he came and he was there among them. And he said, Thomas, get over here, put your hand in my side, feel my hands. He did it for one person. That's the care he has for each one of us. He cares about how we are going in our faith and whether we have any doubts. Sometimes doubt is a spirit. We can, we can cast it out of our life. Sometimes it's a growing fear. So fear and doubt we need to get rid of in the name and in the power of Jesus. Number two, we'll struggle with being unstable and double-minded. Verse 8, now this isn't me at the counter of McDonald's trying to choose between peppermint and banana milkshake. <laughs> That's one kind of double-minded, but I believe this, the biblical kind of double-minded is actually where we're, where we're one kind of person with one group of people, and we're another type of person when we're with another group of people. That's what the Bible calls being double-minded. You know, I used to go to cattle sales and one nod of the head would, would buy a whole lot of cattle and that was a lot of money and then I'd go into the lunchroom and I couldn't choose between the, the savoury and the pie, you know. <laughs> Number three, we'll struggle with lust and temptation, verse 14. Let's just read that again. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. The antidote for lust is the word of God in our heart. You know, God is holy and there is nothing on, in, in heaven or on earth that would entice him ever to sin because he made it all. He is holy and he is the one who will get us the strength to overcome these things. It's like a man reading a newspaper and his kids are saying, dead, 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 dead. But he's just so engrossed in his newspaper, he doesn't hear them. Um, Aaron used to say, dead, dead, dead. And Murray, and I'd turn around. <laughs> but we got to be like that guy, so engrossed in the word that we don't get distracted to the left or the right by those things that would take our eyes, take our attention the lust and temptation of the world. Number four, we will struggle with foot-in-mouth disease. <laughs> Let's read verse 26 again. If he, anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Um, this could be 
criticism. This could be gossip. This could be telling lies. Whatever it is, we, if we can't bridle our tongues talking bad about people, then we are, whatever we've, we do for the Lord seems to almost people won't, won't even acknowledge that as being from God because they're too busy hearing our, our mouth go off. Watch our tongues. Well, those are just a few things if we're keeping our eyes on ourselves with that mirror. Here's what James assures us will happen when we focus on the perfect law. So we turn our eyes away from the mirror to the perfect law. James is speaking here to Jewish Christians who know the law. That's his, that was his calling, unlike Paul who was called to the Gentiles. He's using the term perfect law in order to drive home this message that Christ fulfilled the law. He, Christ, is the perfect law. So here's the results of focusing on Christ. Number one, we'll be made complete, lacking nothing. Verse four. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Number two, we'll receive the crown of life. The word crown here is the same as the word used for that wreath on the head when someone had won great prize of, of physical strength or in sports, uh, in the arena. They had won the wreath. That's the crown of life that Jesus is promising us. Like, it's way better, and it's like forever. Verse 12, we'll be blessed in all we do. Verse 25, you know, whenever there's something that comes up that we've bought and we think, well, was it private or was it business? I just think it's not worth losing the blessing of God. We just mark that private if it's, you know. These are the small things. We just want to keep hold of God's blessing on, on our business, our lives. So verse 25, let's read it. If you abide by the law, this perfect law, and not be a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in all he does. So it's actually doing what we know is right. Maybe God hasn't put some of those things on your heart yet. There's, there's a process. You know, he, he works through those rooms in our life like we talked about in the last series. And maybe he hasn't touched some of those things yet. But we just need to give every one of those things if we know about it, we've got to do it. Amen? Whatever we know from God is, is from God, and we don't do, that's sin. Yeah. Number four, we'll gain a heart for widows and orphans in their distress. Verse 27. You know, there's a you know, massive window of, of opportunity in our lives to bless others. But we've got to see it first, don't we? And God will open our eyes to the need around us if we are a doer of the word. And the final one, we will keep ourselves unstained by the world. You know, there's a lot of people doing good. There's a lot of good in our communities. There's a lot of neat things happening. But James is saying, add to that this Christian standard of, of living that is to be above the temptations of the world, to live clean, to live clean. So here's some, some personal thoughts to round this up. 
You know, there's been a number of Christian artists lately writing songs that have perhaps got the term, I'm losing my religion. I've heard it in a few songs. It could well be that they are simply seeking authentic faith-based relationship with Christ, which is all well and good. But it would really concern me if they're saying that they're questioning everything they were taught in church or Sunday school as a child. You know, the internet feed and social media is just has such a powerful effect on our youth in particular that faith is being challenged from every angle. Faith in God is being challenged. There was a movie in the 90s uh, starring um, Arnold Schwarzenegger that uh, our family watched in it. Uh, he, he, he had just witnessed his, his daughter, well, not his real daughter, his, uh, in, the, in the movie, stealing something from him. And he comes back to the car and his mate, he says to his mate, I didn't raise it to be like that. And his mate said, you think you're, a role, you're her role model, mate? You're not even close. It's those 40 hours of uh, screen time that are her role models now or something to that effect. I've modernised it a bit. You know, parents, it's tough, isn't it? Being that role model in your kids' lives when they've just released a report to say the average child is seeing 40 hours of screen time a week. That's the average. That's sobering, eh? You can't isolate your kids, but you can insulate them with the love of Jesus and just pray, 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 and give them all the encouragement you can give them. You know, Jesus warned us in advance that this would happen. He warned us of hard times. He warned us of counterfeits and false prophets. And so as I meditated on this passage all week written to believers who were being dispersed in verse 1, I realized that many were escaping due to persecution. I'm pretty sure they weren't just all having an OE in 44 AD. James' letter holds far more relevance for us in a world in the midst of a COVID pandemic than when times are all good. Like those brave early disciples, we need to dig deep. We need to hold fast to the foundational stones of the gospel and weather the storm. God's got this, this time in history. He's got this. But we need to encourage one another, work together even more at present. So God, um, James sorry, reminds us that faith-based ministry is spelt W-O-R-K. You know, many young people just love the worship at camp and they just have such an awesome weekend. Come the last day, it's pretty hard to see all of them at work packing down. Sometimes we just realize, have to realize that faith is spelt W-O-R-K. The Webster's Dictionary describes religion as recognition on the part of man of a controlling superhuman power, entitled to obedience. Sorry, this is a bit heavy. Reverence and worship, a particular system of faith in and worship of a supreme being. That's the Webster's 
definition of religion. Now, I know it's really popular to say, I'm not religious, I'm a Christian. But this is the intended meaning used by James in verse 27. James is saying that when the going gets tough, the true Christian doesn't just talk the talk. We look to the one who has all the power to fill us in order to walk the walk by looking after the weak, the disadvantaged, the solo parent, the widow, and the orphan. True religion. Those all through history with the heart, the mind, and the spirit of Christ in them have shone with their works of kindness, justice, and care when others were simply discussing the problem, turning a blind eye, or worse still, denying it exists. We've got to do the do, doing, eh? Not just talk the talk. In a world where political spin seems to be winning over the masses and rhetoric is rife, we, the church, need to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. The good news is that he gives us the power and the grace to do just that if we ask him. We don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. Only by gazing intently at the perfect law, which Jesus fulfilled in every way, can we fulfill James's introduction or instruction, sorry, to minister true effective love to the unlovable, bring hope to the poor and true life to a very mixed up world until Christ returns. Amen. Father, thank you for this reminder. We are to be doers of the word. We don't just walk out of here today and forget this. That it is to be worked out in our daily life this week. Holy Spirit, come, invade us, uh, surround us, empower us, Lord, just to, to be able to, to carry out those things you've placed on our heart, you've called us to do, you've anointed us for, so that we can, in fact, Walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Help us, Lord, to be that blessing to others. We've been so blessed. God, we thank you. We are so blessed. Help us to be ready for persecution, for things getting tough, for whatever, Lord, the things you've predicted. But Lord, we want to stand firm in this, in this knowledge and in this truth from James that we are well-equipped when we have our eyes focused on the true and perfect law. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us.